live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios. It's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. It's a Thursday. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, Danny running the show. Danny's always here on Thursdays. It's always. his day. I love it's it. Day. Yeah. I'm reading a tweet that's now been deleted from a radio host in Toronto who is who he was mad about Alejandro Kirk, the Blue Jays catcher who's short and fat. Okay. He said, it's cute and all, but it's embarrassing for the sport. Giving guys like this prominence, prominent feeds negative stereotypes. What? That's what he came up with. <laughs> he thinks it's he thinks it's bad to promote a fat athlete because it's going to make kids think they can be fat. What does he think of Daniel Vogelbach? I don't know. I think he's, he's in, a little bit bigger than Kirk. He's in Canada, so maybe he's only honing in on these Canadian <laughs> fatties. Um, but he he deleted. All of his tweets, I think his entire account, because Alex Manoa, one of the Blue Jays pitchers, just went after him. Do we on know Twitter. what this guy is? Looks this, like? He's a media guy? Yeah, he's a, a radio host for TSN in Canada and is mad that a fat catcher is getting tweets about him. I don't even know. He's mad that the fat catcher exists, I guess. See, I don't know. I thought you were going to say he's a, ra- he's a radio guy in Canada. So he's telling Mark Stone that the Vegas Golden Knights weren't any good. This is probably the same guy. <laughs> yeah. We found the you only saw guy. Mark Stone in the grocery store. You know, you guys aren't any good next year. Mark, you're looking a little pudgy there. Yeah, you're not, you guys aren't any good. <laughs> what was that guy's name? Uh, Matthew Ross. The tweet, the main tweet he sent has been deleted, but uh, I believe his, his account no longer exists either. So incredible job, by the way, by Alex Manoa. The picture of the to go after him. I don't even know what he said, but he tweeted something about it, and now that guy's account is just gone. So I don't know why you would see a fat baseball player and think anything well, other than this is hilarious. That's what I was. That's what I was going to say. It's has he watched the sport? Right. Well, that too. They're all fat. I mean, has he not watched the sport? Not all, but I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of them. They're not svelte. Right. The the Blue Jays' best player is Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. Not that he's not in shape, but he's a big boy. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's a great sport because of that. You can be a little pudgy. And you have and to be run really good. Bases. Yeah, you got to run around the bases sometimes. It's a great sport. Pujols is near 700 home runs. <laughs> a little pudgy. The first bite. How far behind the Chiefs are and the Chargers are the Raiders? Okay. Mess that one up a little bit. How <laughs> far behind the Chiefs and the Chargers are the Raiders? I guess we're going to see tonight. It's going to be a big game there in Kansas City. If the Chargers go in and actually win that game, although I think it's going to be difficult without Keenan Allen, uh, I'm not going to say the Raiders are that far behind. If the Chargers go in and get beat by 30, then the Raiders might be pretty far behind. So no matter what happens tonight, you think the Raiders are pretty close to the Chargers? To the Chargers after watching that game the other day, yeah. Okay, so you don't think... There's any like, oh, the Chargers have ascended beyond the Raiders to a... Well, I think they've ascended but, beyond them to being better than Right, them. but to a point where like, oh, the Raiders can't catch them. You don't think... No, I don't yeah. think that's true. But if the Chiefs win by... If they win by 30... Then, then you're looking around saying, oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking around probably saying that um, 
the Raiders are still closer to the Chargers than most people think, but those two are far away from the Chiefs. Yeah, it's. I'm curious to see how good the Chiefs are because you lose Tyreek Hill and you're playing the toughest schedule in the division, maybe the toughest schedule in the entire NFL. And they go in and, and blow out the Cardinals in their first game. Pat Mahomes throws five touchdown passes. Like part of me is, is like, well, there's going to be some regression from Kansas city. They're going to come back to the pack a little bit because the division's better and their schedule's tougher and they don't have Tyree kill. But at the same time, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in this division. And as long as they have him and Andy Reid calling plays, they're probably going to be the best team in this division. And maybe they only win it by a game this year instead of four or five. But I kind of expect them to win the division. And I kind of expect it to be decided with two or three weeks left in the season. Like, I don't think this is a comes down to the final week of the season and the Chiefs win on the final day to clinch the division. I think we're talking about Kansas City division champs in week, whatever that is, 14 or 15. I mean, I'm not going to, after watching them last week and watching Mahomes last week, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. I just, I, it's, it's hard to go against the best quarterback in the division yeah. and probably in the league yeah. in Patrick Mahomes. And sure, the Chargers and the Raiders and the Broncos should be better, should be closer, but the Chiefs are really good. Patrick Mahomes is really good. And I have a hard, until I, I just, see it, I have a hard time believing that anybody else in this division is actually going to take down Kansas yeah. City. I know Keenan Allen got hurt last week, but I didn't walk away from that given the turnovers and how poorly the line blocked. I didn't walk away from that. It's, it was almost like last year when they beat them in overtime. Like, I can see that. I can see that happen. I can see the Chargers coming to a legion and losing. Yeah. And here's the, the other amazing part about this. Like, you take the Chiefs. Last year, Kansas City won the division by two games over the. They had two, two games better than the Raiders. What did Kansas City start last year? Like, two and four, mm-hmm. three and four? So, like, Kansas City was not good to start the year, they lost some games. It was there for somebody else in the AFC West to take the division, and they couldn't do it. If Kansas City gets off to a five and one start, they're they're not losing. They're, no, the they're going to roll. Yeah. They're going to roll. And so it goes back. Like it's it goes back to what we talked about in the offseason, where the Raiders went all in this year, but they went all in, and most likely they're competing for a wild card spot. Like not that division's already decided, and you know the Chargers could win tonight and make it a lot closer than we think. But if Kansas City wins tonight, it's going to feel like two weeks in. The division's already decided, right. and you're playing for a wild card spot, which is fine. Like wild card There's teams, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but it's a the path to winning the Super Bowl is very, very difficult as a wild yes. card team because you've got to win just about all your games on the road. Maybe you could sneak in a home game depending on who else wins, but you've pretty much got to win all the games on the road just to get to the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl, and that's it's tough to do. I mean, it's a tough thing to do. So it's just a it's unfortunate timing for the Raiders to be all in in a year where you're most the likely, the Chiefs. yeah, you're most likely not close to the Chiefs, and even if you are, the Chargers are right there too, right. and you're probably not necessarily better than them. So I'm, I'm curious to see tonight because you've got Kansas City coming off a blowout of Arizona. How legitimate is that blowout? Does that blowout mean more about Kansas City being um, best in the league or? Arizona. I think it yeah. means more about Kansas City. Okay. We'll see this weekend when right. Can- when Arizona comes into the Raiders. If the Raiders blow them out, then maybe we're talking a different story on Monday. But Car- if Arizona comes in and weeks. plays well and actually wins, then we're really going back. Especially if Kansas win, Kansas City wins tonight, then we're really going back saying, all right, the Chiefs yeah. are the best team. Man, if the Chargers get or the the Cardinals get blown out twice by the Chiefs and Raiders, their season's over before Call of Duty even comes out. Well, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he can go back to playing video games right. with all the money he has now. Right. They're 0-2 and Call of Duty hasn't come out yet? Season's done. Just let Kyler go do whatever he wants to do. Or let Kyler call plays. That was oh, a that's right. That was actually pretty fun. cool. So there's uh yeah. Tonight is Chargers and Chiefs. Are the Chargers gonna be any good without Keenan Allen? I'm not sure. I, I gave I mean I didn't. I did on Monday. I gave credit to the Raiders defensive guys for you know doing some adjusting at halftime and I thought they played a lot better in the second half. They didn't get home all day. But I thought they played well uh, defensively. Nate Hobbs played really well. Um, so I couldn't tell how much it was just because they didn't have Keenan Allen. Because yeah. I did think the Raiders played well defensively in the second half. I yeah. did. I, so here's what I'm curious to see from both quarterbacks tonight. We have seen through the years uh, Tom Brady orchestrate good offenses without having the greatest skill position guys, right? He's he had some years where he's had good receivers, but for the most part, Brady hasn't had the best wide receivers, and he still had good seasons. We've seen Aaron Rodgers make sort of no-name wide receivers in having great games and big seasons. We haven't really seen Patrick Mahomes without Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. There have been injuries, but for a whole season, we haven't seen Mahomes without Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. He's got one of them. He's still got Kelsey there. But like Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the rookie Sky Moore, he doesn't really have the greatest wide receivers. Is Mahomes in that same category of, hey, pretty much whoever you put out there to catch the ball. He's going to make look good. Yeah, I think he is. I I I believe he is. And then tonight, and it won't be season long, but tonight... We kind of get to see if Herbert is too, because I mean, they still have Mike Williams. They still have Austin Eckler. So it's not like they've lost everybody, but without Keenan Allen, right? You're throwing more to the, who, the Andre Carter, whoever the hell that was that caught pass. He got the touchdown the pass. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if Herbert's kind of in that same category too. Can he win a game? Can he, or at least perform well, you know, if they lose 41 to 38, you're not really going to blame Herbert the next day, but if they, you know, can he perform well without Keenan great, Allen skill position guys. And that, that, that to me is like, that's the biggest difference between the top quarterbacks in the league. And then like the second and third tier is Tom Brady can be out there without the greatest wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers can be out there without the greatest wide receivers. They're still going to have whatever MVP level seasons or have their team at 12 wins. Derek Carr, we know has not been that in his career. He's not been a guy that, Hey, if you don't have the great scenario around him, he's not going to perform well. I expect Mahomes is that guy. I don't know if Herbert is, but uh, we'll get a little bit we'll of a taste a of that tonight. tonight. So that's, that's I think, the most curious thing for me in this game is what do the quarterbacks look like without the greatest weapons around them? If they go in tonight and lose substantially in terms of, and I'm talking about the Chargers, I don't think a month ago we would have thought the Chiefs would have separated themselves two weeks in. I mean, the the main consensus was... Kansas City was still always like the betting favorite. Yeah. It was still the favorite. Although the a lot division. of people were picking the Chargers. Right. Chiefs were the, the the favorite, but because they lost Tyree Kill, the general thought was, well, they've taken a small step back. Meanwhile, the Chargers went out and got Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson and all this, and they were good last year despite not making the playoffs. The assumption was, well, the Chargers plus the Raiders plus the Broncos all took big steps. Yeah, they all made substantial moves to get better. So that gap, even though the Chiefs were still the betting favorite, was much smaller than it has been in the past, but it was still somewhat of a gap. You're right. If they win by three touchdowns tonight. I I mean, the gap is just as much as it's been in a long, you know, for a long time now. Ah, Nice offseason for those other three teams, but it didn't mean anything because Kansas City still exists. So. It's a fun game. I'm glad we have a good Thursday night game, by the way. Like this. Thank you. 
NFL. Is this the Amazon game? This is. From here on out, if you want to watch Thursday Night Football, Amazon Prime. I just go to Amazon Prime and plug it in? Yeah, if you got Amazon Prime. Yeah, I do. It, it should. It's, uh, it'll pro- I'm sure it'll pop up on the homepage when you go to Amazon. Yeah, as soon as you open your Amazon account, it was even doing it yesterday, it comes up with the game and it gives you a countdown until kickoff and it gives you the entire schedule for the season. For the Thursday night game. Yeah. yeah. So I'm All I'm right. sure if you just go to Amazon, you'll it will It'll not come be up right away. Find. They they want people to watch it when they sign into their Amazon account. All right. Coming up next, Roz Gold on Wood joins us to talk about the Las Vegas Aces. Gray now starts to dribble. Backdoor pass inside Asia. Up under good. Scores with one second to go. Raquana Williams gonna try another three. Boom! Shaka laka laka boom baby for three. The ace is back up a dozen. All of the sun, none of the fun on the press box summer edition. Joining us now from ESPN, mm. Roz Gold Unwood. Good morning, Roz. Thank you so much hey, for Roz. joining us. Good morning. All right. Uh, we have not figured out an answer to this question after watching games one and two of the WNBA finals. Forget about Connecticut having to win three straight games. How does Connecticut win a single game against the Aces? Right. Well, I think, you know, in game one, um, they were able to make the game their style of play, made it low scoring, controlled the tempo, kept the Aces in the half-court set. Um, they got on the glass. They, they controlled the, the points in the paint. They mucked up the game, and they held the Aces to 67 points. And yet, in game one, the Aces still won. Even though it was played the Sun style of play, the Aces showed that they could respond to a gritty and tough and physical game and responded on defense. And I thought Asia Wilson did a lot to set the tone there. And Becky Hammond's halftime inspirational speech to get her team, you know, to get serious in the second half. Okay, then you go to game two. And it was absolutely, you go to game two, and it was absolutely, you know, the, the Aces style, high flying. Kelsey Plum gets going, and they were the ones that were able to dominate the points in the paint. They competed on the glass. They showed not only could they play their style, they also could get in their banging board. They also could compete for the points in the paint. They showed they're not just fancy and, and high-flying and, and big offense. They showed they're tough and physical, too. They, they can win at multiple styles. And so I think coming into game three, one, they're going to have to stop some of the points in the paint in which Kelsey Plum really uh, led the way with. So they're, they're, I was watching the tape back. People are glued to their players, especially John Quill Jones when she's defending Kia Stokes, who's not a shooter. The lane is wide open. There's no help. And Courtney Williams got beat time after time as the first line of defense against Kelsey Plum. So, um, and they allowed Kelsey Plum to drive left, and that's her strong hand. So, I think that's one way to like show more help in the paint and dictate which way Kelsey Plum and other drivers go. Courtney Williams has to be better on the ball. John Quill better for the helper. And then also, hey, Dewana Bonner, they need more from her. She's really struggled in this series offensively, and she ignites them emotionally. As a former player, have you ever said no, no, no to Chelsea Gray shots, and then she <laughs> makes every shot she takes? Chelsea has been absolute, absolutely scintillating and captivating to watch. Um, the efficiency in which she is hitting almost every single one of these shots are tough and contested and hard. You know, and, and actually I've been just mind-boggled. Like, what is the fine line for Coach Becky Hammond to even, like, you know, 
not get in the way of her player, but technically, like, if those shots don't go down, you might be like, ah, we, want, we don't want to get stagnant on offense. We want to move the ball. That's not a great shot. But you got to trust your player to have that confidence, and, and, and Chelsea's been knocking it down. So I actually asked Becky, like, what's that like for a coach? Because these are really well-defended shots that she's knocking down. And she said, I trust Chelsea. Um, you know, I try to stay out of her way, especially while she's red hot here. And they're in constant communication, you know, about, about efficiency and flow of offense. And Becky's constantly thinking about how can I put her in positions to be successful. And I asked, uh, I also, you know, when I was in Vegas, asked Chelsea, what's it like, you know, hitting these shots? What, what helps you? And she said, it's especially hard against the Suns' length. Like, they have players like Alyssa Thomas on her at times or Dewana Bonner. I mean, she can see over the guards, you know, hide them in them. But um, against those bigger ones, she's really focusing on she's got to get to her spots and she's got to use her legs. Asia Wilson is having a tremendous series, a tremendous postseason. She's leading this team in points, doing it tremendous efficiency. Would you consider Chelsea Gray as the MVP of this series, given the difficulty of the shot she's made? You know what's crazy? That is a tough one. Man, I wish they could have a co-finals MVP. <laughs> because, you know, obviously, I think Chelsea Gray has been the story um, and has been very entertaining. And I think in, in most cases, she should win finals MVP. But if you're watching closely, you know, and as has been the case all season, but Asia, she's just like, the anchoring, stabilizing force, the consistent double-double. This is a matchup against a team that's trying to make it ugly, that's trying to be physical, that's trying to use their size, that's trying to win on the glass. Like, Asia being able as, like, pretty much, like, you know, one, the one premier post, there's, you know, Kia Stokes, um, her stepping up and being ready to consistently deliver in the series, I think is a tone setter. And I also think her tone setting on the defensive end, the blocks, the steals, the rebounds are just as important as her taking star players, Jean-Claude Jones, Alyssa Thomas. You know, Alyssa Thomas came in second for Defensive Player of the Year award, and she's been taking her straight to the cup. So I think it's very tough, and I could see Asia Wilson still getting the nod for finals MVP. They have locked up their prominent players for a while now, and I know it's hard to predict the future, but do you kind of look at this roster and say they could do something for a while here in this league? You know, it's crazy. After, uh, I think it was game one or game two, I forget which one now, but, like, the Aces players were up there. And, um, you know, they said something about a lot of times the winners are veteran teams, you know, teams that have been together for a while, teams that have had – um, you know, veteran leaders, you think about the storm, you know, that are ready to contend and, and, and uh, the mystics, you know, things like that. But the aces are, are relatively young in their core. Um, and I think the future is bright. I think from the top to the bottom, regardless of what happens in this series, it has been a top-down organizational success in putting the team together, getting the right plate pieces Hiring and believing in Coach Becky Hammond. Um, you know, even you go to that arena, whoo, that atmosphere was wild. I actually ran into DeMarcus Cousins because it's been like star studded at these games in Vegas. Ran into DeMarcus Cousins in the hallway and he was like, This is better than an NBA game. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> and, and it was, it was like there was no down moment. Every single break timeout was choreographed, it was absolutely packed and electric in there. 
They're waving towels. It's star-studded courtside sidelines. It's it's just incredible, and it, and it really speaks to what Vegas has been able to do uh, as a team on the court and organizationally. All right, have you seen a better promotion than the miss twice get a slice promotion that the Aces have for missed free throws? I'm still waiting on my slice. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, you better believe I had to ask somebody. I was like, if, if they if they miss twice, can I borrow one of your tickets? <laughs> credential so that's not going to get me the slice but i need a ticket and you, you best believe you're going to see Roz and the pizzeria getting my free slice uh, we we know becky hammond uh lit him up at halftime of game one asia wilson after game two said that she told uh, kelsey plum to get her uh, stuff together uh there was a new york times story about don staley asia wilson's coach at south carolina texting her when she plays poorly even during halftime of game one does this team seem to handle like internal criticism better than most? I think they're professionals. Um, and it got to, and, and it's, it's, it's important. Like you got to know how to talk to different people. And um, I think Asia recognized what she could do with Kelsey there. And, and I think beyond her just saying, Kelsey, you got to get your ish together. She also told Kelsey Plum, Hey, we need you, you know? And I think that is, is the core message there. Like, you know, get out of yourself and, and just kind of bring it. And I think it comes from just how much Kelsey has grown and wants to be great and welcomes that conversation. And it's the finals, baby. Like, it's either now or not. And so um, it speaks volumes um, to the maturity and to the trust and to the, you know, the sisterhood. And I also think, you know, consider the source. When you got somebody who's a workhorse like, you know, Asia Wilson, um, coming at you and saying that you can respect that because she's done the work. Like she's, you know, been consistent all season long, putting the work on both ends for this team and answering the call and the challenge. So it's not like somebody who's out here slacking is, is calling you out. Well, she is Roz Gold on what from ESPN giving us some info on the WNBA finals. Game three is tonight. Roz, we appreciate it. Thank you so much Thanks, for joining Roz. us. Thank you guys. So there is Roz Gold on Wood A um, on the WNBA Finals, which, by the way, Ed, uh, how would you feel if you were in Connecticut covering this game and it starts at 9 p.m. Eastern? Uh, besides the nap during the day? <laughs> <laughs> so all the game, well, all the weekday games are scheduled six for 6 Pacific. o'clock. Sorry, it's just like the NBA Finals is the same thing. No matter right. who's in it, it's the same time on weekdays. And, yep, if you're in Connecticut, it's a 6 p.m. Pacific start, which means 9 p.m. local 9 time. 9 p.m. Oh, I'd be mad. It's a random Thursday. If I was a Just fan. Try to, get, try to get as many fans there as possible. Kids going to school. Well. Yeah, it's for TV. Don't forget about the kids. We don't need I kids. Didn't see, I just games. set him up for that one. Come on. Yeah, you, you, one. Never, you never I just used an argument that with one. I knew it was kids. coming. He didn't care about the children. Unbelievable. Nobody cares about the kids. Better. I actually, let's have all games late at night if that means no kids are going to be there. <laughs> It's even better that way. <laughs> that just means no kids at school the next day. Extra kids at these events. No, no chance. If we were trying to help teachers out, ridiculous. All right. Coming up next, Jeff Erickson is going to join the show from RotoWire to answer your fantasy football questions. You can text them to us right now, 69187. That is the text line, 69187. Make sure you preface your message with ESPN. So type ESPN, then whatever your fantasy football question is, and send it to 69187. Jeff Erickson's up next. He'll answer all your questions. X.com. Don't Jimmy even go there right now. It, it, I got to go there, Jerry. I got to go there. I got to go there. That was the first game of the season.
first game of the season. And he made some great throws. You know, he extended plays. We would have never done that with Jimmy G. And, you know, Jimmy G is an exceptional quarterback. You know, he's going to do some good things. But uh, the one thing that, that Trey brings more is that you've got to prepare for him running the football. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire. He'll answer your fantasy football questions. Text them in now. Text line is 69187. Just preface your message, type ESPN, and then whatever your fantasy football question is, and send it to 69187. Uh, Jeff, what uh, do you think is the biggest overreaction in fantasy football after week one? Uh, man, there's just so many of them there. I, I, I you know, I, I, I saw people like, I need to cut Melvin Gordon. He fumbled on the goal line, you know, things of that nature. Or, you know, it's just the, the passionate, and it got cost in their survivor pool. Um, I, I think that, uh, the one, the one thing I'm watching closely is, like, what happens with the Cowboys. With Dak Prescott out there, I mean, let's face it, they looked horrible. Uh, Dak's out. It's Cooper Rush. Uh, people are panicking. Should I bench C.D. Lamb this week? No, don't bench C.D. Lamb this week. He had 122 yards last time Cooper Rush started a game. Uh, he had 11 targets last week. It's not, you're not going to be facing the Bucks every single week. So uh, make sure, you, you know, your elite stud that you draft in the second round, don't bench him because things went south one week. Uh, some text line questions for you uh, on the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott, or uh, I'm assuming this is Cordero Patterson. Um, see, this is this is a case of one guy way outperforming expectations in Zeke and the, the team not uh, underperforming. I go Zeke. It, the, the gap has narrowed. Uh, I, I'll acknowledge that. Uh, I have Elliott at 17. I have Patterson at 26. Uh Jeff, I was at the Raider game last week with the targets to Devontae Adams. I guess it's not a surprise the first game with Carr, but Renfro doesn't get a um, he doesn't get a target to about uh, three fifty eight left in the third quarter. Uh, Waller got some. Do you see this as a week to week thing in terms of who he wants to go to most, and maybe the other two are kind of shoved aside? Uh, Decline, but not shoved aside. If you notice, and you were there, so you noticed, but. Uh, after that first target, Renfro got like five others in quick, quick succession, including like a third down one and a fourth down one. You know, he went back to being a guy they turned to in critical situations. Um, I, I think it was, you know, hey, Adams had a great matchup. Uh, J.C. Jackson was out in this game, so they kept and it, it was working. So he kept going to it a little bit there. Uh, when you notice when the when the Chargers stepped up that pass rush, he looked to Renfro a little bit more frequently. In this one, we have uh, Hunter Renfro or DJ Chark. I go Chark there, though. I think Chark is the team's number one right now. 69187 is the text line. Preface your message with ESPN. Is Joshua Palmer worth starting in tonight's game against the Chiefs? Kind of borderline. I think a lot, you know, it's mealy mouth to say it depends, but it depends. Uh, I've got him at 48 this week. So say if you've got Garrett Wilson or Robbie Anderson or Robert Woods, there's kind of a medley of guys. Some guys on the rise, some guys falling. Uh, in that range, I'd like him. Uh, but as we saw, the Chargers spread it around. You know, four, DeAndre Carter got four uh, four targets. Gerald Everett got four targets. You know, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Mike Williams tonight. Now that they have a lot of time to prep for this. Uh, Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Who do I roll with, DeAndre Swift or David Montgomery? Swift. Easy question. Um, all right, I have one for you. On the 49ers backfield, Jeff Wilson was the uh, one of the primary waiver targets for most people. The two rookie running backs, Jordan Mason and Tyrion Davis uh, Price, who do you like out of those two if you're picking one up? 
Yesterday they said they'd kind of go hot hand for the backup. Uh, I think it's Mason. Uh, you know, Mason is a guy that they was really impressive in training camp. Uh, he, you know, Thierry Davis Price was scratched last week. He was inactive. Uh, it's, it's very similar to the dynamic between uh, Eli Mitchell and Trey Sermon last year, where Sermon had the draft capital, but yet was the inactive on, game, on, on week one. It seems very similar here. Uh, in uh, the Seattle backfield, is there is that offense going to be good enough for Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker to both be useful, or is just one of them? Or are they just going to make cancel each other out and neither one's useful? I think it might be the latter. I'm a little worried about this one here, especially against the Niners this week. Yeah, you know, I thought I'd have a longer leash with Penny, um, and there's nothing wrong with him. He, I know he put the ball on the ground on one play, but at least they they recovered their own fumble. But uh, with the, with them saying Walker is definitely going to play this week, I think it's going to be. Uh, He's a flex play, if you, but he's in that same range as like a Devin Singletary or, or you know Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, usable in deeper leagues, uh, but if you're in a two and a two like two running backs and two wide receivers and a flex, it becomes he's right on that borderline. Uh, Brady or Kirk Cousins? Um, I'm going to go Brady in this one here, uh, but watch the the health of the uh, Bucks receivers. Like all, every single one of them had a, an issue in practice yesterday. I would expect that Godwin doesn't play this week, um, but if Evans and or Julio are a compromise, I might I might pivot over to Cousins. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Uh, another one with Tom Brady. Tom Brady or Trey Lance? Oh Brady, um, I need to see it from Lance before I elevate him into that group. I heard the uh, clip that you were playing into this segment and. He made a couple of good runs. He made one or two good throws. He made some really bad decisions too. And granted, he was playing in a inland hurricane, if that's what you want to hear, the Lake Michigan hurricane. <laughs> um, and you know that you know where they are superimposing uh, the the yardage markers at the end of the game. It was so sloppy, but nonetheless, uh, I need to see it from him. Uh, after having a dud in week one, uh, granted he was going against Buffalo's defense. Would you go with Stafford or would you go with Kirk Cousins on the road at Philly? I think that's almost a 50-50 call. I think I'm going to lean Cousins here. I, I actually have Stafford ahead in the rankings right now, but I'm doing an update today, and I've been thinking a little bit more on this one here. I, the Rams' offensive line is a real issue. Uh, Buffalo's front four just dominated that game. Uh, now I want to see if they fix their O-line issues. Uh, they got a pretty nice setup against the Falcons, although the Falcons were putting a lot of pressure on Jameis last week, so their pass rush is actually pretty decent. So I want to see if they can handle this pass rush. What happened with Devonta Smith? Had four targets. Uh, it was weird. There are two pairs of targets, two in the first half, two in the second half, like on like back-to-back plays each time. Then they went away from him. He had one drop on his very first one. The other three all, all really had no chance. I think it was just a case where A.J. Brown was just killing Detroit. Uh, it was their guys they brought in, and they kept, it was working. It's similar to the Raiders and Devonta Adams where you know, you've got this stud receiver. We're going to treat him like a stud receiver. Uh, until the other team stops them, you keep feeding them. Uh, um, another from the text line, Juju Smith-Schuster or Hunter Renfro? Uh, Juju. Uh, we got two uh, from the same person. PPR League, he wants help with his flex, Allen Robinson or TJ Hawkinson? And I have so much exposure to Allen Robinson. I'm super worried about this one. Uh, Robinson, but it's close. Uh, and then for his running back spot, uh, Cam Akers or Tony Pollard? Um, Tony Pollard, but yeah, uh, you know, the weird motivational games that Sean McVay was playing with, uh, acres afterward. I I'm worried about two things with acres, wondering what happened there. 
And two, you know, I didn't see the burst when he came back last year. When he came back, too, I almost feel like too soon. Um, so I, I was kind of fading Acres going into this year, but I didn't expect that um, at the same time. Um, but, it, you know, right now you can't start Acres. And so far in our questions, you have picked the other person in terms of A or B versus Renfro. Um, I got mm-hmm. one Renfro or Marquez Valdez Scantley. Uh, I think that's where I draw the line. I go Renfro here finally. All right. Question for uh, Daily Fantasy Is Carson Wentz going to have a repeat good week for Daily Fantasy? I think he probably will. I mean, this match against Detroit's pretty solid. The only thing that may, maybe gives me cause for pause is that uh, Philly ran it down Detroit's throat, and I think that Washington will be able to do the same. I, I like seeing the resurrection of Antonio Gibson's uh, fantasy status. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's it's going to be uh, because Wentz actually made a couple of really bad plays in that game against Jacksonville. Jacksonville should have won that game. Uh, Wentz stared down a receiver, had a pick, had another one where uh, it just the defender made a really good play. Trayvon Walker made a really great play. Uh, but, you know, he has great weapons. And the thing is, a healthy Curtis Samuel changes this offense a lot. I think it's a good, it's a pretty solid week again this week against Detroit. 69187 is the text line. Jalen Waddell or Michael Thomas? Uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, and, you know, that, that that's a flip-flop from after we met. That's, that's maybe a quote-unquote overreaction, but let's face it, Michael Thomas used to be a first-round player. Waddell never will have that sort of ceiling. Uh Jeff, before we let you go, I wanted to let you know that uh, Jared, who's not here today, he drafted Taysom Hill as his tight end, but then Beautiful. did not start him in week one. Right. <laughs> right? And why would you? I mean, you know what? He, he touched the ball six times. It's just he happened to have the one big run, and he had a touchdown. That was enough. But tell you what, if, like, if you're a George Kittle manager, you've got Kittle on your roster, pick up Taysom Hill and start him this week. I could see it happening. I did exactly that. <laughs> Good job, Danny. There you Good go. Job, Dan. Danny also made some prop bets on that. Yeah, just uh, a few. Just a few. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from Roto-Wire. He'll be here every week to answer your fantasy football questions. Jeff, as always, we appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Jeff. Take care of yourself. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Uh, so there is Jeff Erickson from Roto-Wire. A uh, lot of fantasy questions this week. Uh, keep them coming. He'll be here every Thursday at 730. So anytime you've got a question, don't know who to start, uh, he will be here to help. And apparently if you ask him about Hunter Renfro, he will pick against Hunter Renfro. Except the last one. <laughs> Who'd you? I forgot. Marquez Valdez-Cantling? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Except Marquez Valdez-Cantling. Otherwise, eh, he'll be fine. All right. Coming up next, Craig Thompson is retiring and leaving the Mountain West. Plummer takes the snap, two-step drop. The pass is intercepted by the Rebels to the 10, out toward the 15 before he is finally tackled. In to make that interception for the Rebels was Jare Williams. Rebels sent two men wide to the left. Shotgun. Robbins tries the right side. Breaks through a hole. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Rebels. Aiden Robbins, 31 yards. And the Rebels are within one score now. Back to the press box, summer edition. UNLV plays again on Saturday against North Texas. They'll try to get to two and one. Another home game for Marcus Arroyo. Uh, but in the Mountain West, Craig Thompson announced he was retiring yesterday. He's going to step down at the end of the year as Mountain West commissioner. He's been the commissioner of this conference for its entire existence, all 24 years. Uh, you know, what I thought was interesting. He cited yesterday in his statement that the last big project he was trying to sort of see get done 
was the expansion of the college football playoff. And he was on the original committee that Mm -hmm. said, hey, we should expand to 12. And then they tried to and the whatever the conferences couldn't agree on it. But he basically was like, yeah, I wanted to get the conference uh, or get the college football playoff expanded. And now he feels like he's completed his duties and is going to retire at the end of the year. Yeah. Anytime a guy's there 24 years, there's going to be good and bad. Um, What people don't realize sometimes about commissioners is they take a lot of the bullets for the presidents and the ADs who make a lot of the decisions, but they're the ones who kind of take the bullets. So I know he got criticized for a lot of things uh, and some warranted. Um, I think their TV deals, you know, obviously I think we both think they could have been a lot better again, though. I'm not sure how much that was completely him or the presidents and the ADs. Um, So, you know, he kept the lead together when Utah TCU and BYU left. I thought that was uh, I thought that was good. I don't think um, if he had it to do over, I don't know if they would have added San Jose state. Um, I think that was always something they need. They felt they needed the 12th game or excuse me, the 12th team. Uh, to make it even for for a championship, um, but twenty four years is a long time um, for anyone to be in that position. I thought a really interesting um, part of the stories I read, which was pretty pretty fascinating, and it's come full circle. That when he was he started out as an SID at Kansas State, and he would have coffee twice a week with an assistant basketball coach named Lon Kruger. And now he leaves, and Kevin Kruger is actually the coach of UNLV. That tells you how long, you know, he's been in <laughs> collegiate athletics. And then, it, ironically, on the day he retired, or yesterday, the day before, he was at a uh, uh, basketball uh, uh, something with basketball awards in Chicago, and he knew he was going to retire. He gets out of his car, and the guy, the car in front of him, the, the taxi in front of him, Lon Kruger gets out. So I thought that was actually pretty cool in terms of coming full circle. Um, but yeah, 24 years. Uh, again, a lot, a lot of good, some bad. He took a lot. He took a lot of criticism. You're not going to stay in that job 24 years and not take criticism. But I do think that the presidents and the ads do believe now with football expansion and everything else going on in, in collegiate athletics, they do need probably a younger, new voice in that spot. I don't know how much power a conference commissioner has of mm-hmm. the Mountain West. Yeah. Because if you're the commissioner of the SEC or the Big Ten, your decisions are going to shape all of college football. If you're the commissioner of the Mountain West, almost everything your conference does is reactionary to what the more powerful conferences and more powerful teams do. And over, you know, in the history of the Mountain West, probably the worst thing to happen to the Mountain West is TCU, BYU, and Utah leaving right if they're better places right if they had if they had those three teams and never expanded to what was it san jose state nevada and i'm blanking on the utah state if they had if they had kept those three in place this conference would be really good right this would be a very good conference it wouldn't i mean hell the new pac-12 it might actually be better than the new pac-12 but there's nothing craig thompson could have done and there's nothing he would be able to do in the future to keep teams from leaving the mountain West for a power conference. Mm-mm. He, they did keep Boise state from leaving for a different group of five conference, right? That happened. They got Boise state to stay, gave them a little bit more TV money. But if any of the current members get an invite to the big 12 or the PAC 12 or whatever, they're gone, they're leaving. And it doesn't matter who the commissioner is. It doesn't matter right. what the commissioner does. They're leaving. And I think like even TV deals to an extent, there's only so much you can do. Like, Nobody wants to put UNLV Idaho State on TV, right? Like as we as we saw, right? That's ju- that's just 
the reality, there's nothing, a commissioner can't be like, oh, FS1, <laughs> you know, you want this UNLV Idaho State football. They're going to just be like, no, we don't. And it right. doesn't matter. So I think a lot of the criticism Craig Thompson got is nothing Craig Thompson could have changed. And I don't think it's anything a new commissioner is going to be able to change. I know one of the ones that people yelled about the most was that um, Mountain West Atlantic 10 basketball challenge when the Mountain West tried to get some extra good games for like Wyoming's and stuff like and that. And the Air Forces and people right. like and that. Right, and people yeah. criticized it because whatever. UNLV had to go to Wichita State and San Diego State had to fly across the country. Right. But it's like none of that actually hurt any of the teams in the conference. It was never going to do much to get them more mountain or more NCAA tournament spots because, again, a commissioner can't get more teams in the NCAA tournament. Right? It's just not going to actually no. happen that way. So, and, he was exa- and he was the director of the committee one year. Right. And so I just... I don't. I think a lot of the criticism he got is nothing he could have actually done differently. And whoever the next commissioner is, I just don't know. There's a lot you can do because almost everything you do is reactionary to what the more powerful conferences are right. going to do. If right. the SEC and Big Ten decide to break away and form a different Division One, what's the new Mountain West commissioner going to do if they don't want the Mountain West? He's not going to convince them to take them with them because it's it's the Mountain West. So. I don't think Craig Thompson was necessarily bad or necessarily good as a commissioner because I don't think there's enough power in that position when it's the Mountain West. So I think he got a lot more criticism than he probably deserved in that position.